You're listening to Kevin and the Spleen. No one's gonna ever love me. 1098.5 Radio QWX. Real quick. Bussin' no cap. No, 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 no cap. Really smack you in the ass with flavor. There you go. This show is about depression, anxiety, PTSD, and chronic illness. Going quick. We're trying to keep you on the path to the ride home on the evening time. It's a fucking zoo. <laughs> Make it quicks. Get the quicks radio. White lives do not matter. You know what it is. It's Kevin and the Spleed. You got the Spleed here coming from you live on the evening times on Keep You on the Road to Your Way to the Drive Home, baby. You know what it is. And also on your drive home, you got me in the Spleen Mobile. That's right. We are fleeing from the cops ever since I tried to get back into my ex wife's apartment, baby. Haha. So you know we got a need for speed. How you doing, Kevin? Oh, I'm doing great. I, I feel like one day Wolfman Jack is going to come after us for this, but this, this, is, this is going great. <laughs> yeah, no one has ever parodied Wolfman Jack before and ever gotten away with it, baby, but we're the first. That's why we own the lamb. All right. That's enough of that. Uh, <laughs> you see, we I, I, I don't have improv training. I would like to receive it. I don't think I have money to pay for it. I don't know if there's a free version of it. I don't know. I think I got a good good base of of something i don't think it's improv but anyway let's get let's get out of my ass and uh get into the ass of someone who's i'm really excited about uh oh man you know him you love him where do you know him from you might have seen him on super ego uh you might have seen him on Harmon Quest, that's bad. That's a bad way to plug. Is like my own shit. Uh, but but most recently, you you'll hear him in your ear holes uh, on the Team Coco podcast. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. The podcast where Conan goes looking for friendship that he could easily have at the hands of this guest. Matt Gorley is here. What's up, Matt? How you doing? Hi guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm I'm good. I I'm just uh I'm just happy to be here. Happy to be talking to you. I don't know. Uh I, I don't know. Okay, so I don't do this, I never do this, uh, but I, I'm actually a big fan of yours. Uh, you know, I, I know we've we've been around and stuff. It, it's it's not like, oh my god, Mr. Corley, etc. But 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 man, anytime I hear you in anything, I'm really excited. Oh, you you've heard him on his hit podcast Mall Walking. Man, Mall Walking is so good. Are you, you still keeping that up? Yeah, from time to time. First of all, I want to say that's very nice of you, Spencer, because I consider you a friend. So it's I, I don't I don't know how fandom works for friends, but I feel the same way. If you're friends, I feel like you don't have to be a fan. You can just be a friend. You know what I mean? I, I agree with that, but I would just say that, like, I, I think of that as similar. You know, I, I, I feel like uh, if I say I'm someone's friends, they'll get like mad and be like how dare you imply you know such closeness but but in, in some cases i think there's people i'm friends with that i am big fans of i can only think of one case and it's this i think this is the only <laughs> well i'm honored i'm honored <laughs> but but man no it's so it's so good so uh i don't know uh so you're you're a close and longtime friend of jeff who uh has been on the podcast mm -hmm. you know there was a time where i would say he's on the podcast but i don't think that's you know i don't know it's it's hard it's hard 
I understand. I know how these things go. Podcast <laughs> co-host relationships slash friendships slash fanships. They're a complicated road, you know? It's like a marriage and they ebb and they flow and you just, the key is if you, both of you can't give up at the same time or else you're done. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what my grandma once told me. If, to make a marriage work, you, you at least one of you has to do the work at some point. Yeah, I think that's that's really really good wisdom. I think unintentionally that's kind of how I try to live my life. Uh, you know, but also I have this weird urge where it's like if people pull away, I'm like, oh, I gotta come in more, which probably drives mm. people away. Who knows? But well, I get the feeling is in this marriage metaphor, Jeff's out just boozing and carousing, and you're at home keeping a tidy household and raising the children. Is that right? Well, I'm definitely raising the children. I I don't know. I I think he might he might just be working. Mm. Who knows? I just don't know. <laughs> that guy's life is a mystery to me. I've seen inside his apartment, and I told me nothing. Like I have no <laughs> like I, I I don't know. You could tell me he goes into like a stasis tube for like 19 hours a day, and it would make as much sense to me as like anything else. He's a man of mystery. He is. He's a, he's like an old school bachelor. You know what I mean? I don't mean a confirmed bachelor. <laughs> right. I, a confirmed mean like, <laughs> I mean, just an old school kind of, I mean, he was kind of meant to be a private detective or something in a noir film where he just, you know, man, everything. The, the one time I went to, to Jeff's apartment, I thought I was being nice. And I brought him this nice framed Fernie Branca um, poster, like a real antique one. And he's like, oh, thank you. And I walk in and there's like 17 of them already on the wall. Uh, and he adds this to a pile of like five more that are just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> that's his one thing. It's that's the only thing he knows. Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. Kevin gives great gifts, too. So that's mm. that's interesting. Um, but I okay. So so you know Jeff for very for very long. So I'm kind of curious about what it was like as a kid. But I'm also curious what you were like. You know, in school, if you could think back to like your school days, like uh, you were you were in the LA area, right? Yeah, Jeff and I met at the Granada Middle School, which I think is actually in La Mirada, but we grew up in Whittier. He he was kind of a transplant. He came along mm -hmm. in middle school times, but. I was born and raised in Whittier, and then we met in middle school. I was a very curious kid, an odd kid, I guess. I had a lot of friend groups, though I wasn't part of any clique, but I yeah. could kind of move throughout them, I guess. I liked my school years. When I met Jeff, we really clicked. It was like right away I felt like kind of like we were – trapper and hawkeye and mash where we just kind of just start quipping and i didn't i never had anybody i could really bounce things off with before and it really mm -hmm. felt good we just he kind of just brought me to a new level being friends with jeff and then we yeah. were oh, oh go ahead no no you please everybody we wants were to friends up until high school and then both he and i can't remember but we had a falling out and we were estranged for a while and then we became friends again in late high school when we started doing improv and have been friends ever since again. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of a necessary part of high school to like have some sort of falling out with the people you're really close to and kind of circle back usually. But yeah. um, so, I mean, you were having someone to quip with is an interesting thing. So were you like a class clown type? Were you, were you trying to do jokes or were you more reserved, you know? I guess I was because I was literally voted the class clown in, <laughs> in middle school. So I'm not proud of that. Um, and I think that's 
it's a complicated title <laughs> sure because every school is kind of a different thing but i don't know yeah i i was extrovert when i was younger and then i am not at all an extrovert anymore i i can bring it out when i have to be on a podcast or be on stage or whatever but otherwise i'm very kind of reclusive and a little socially anxious but i didn't mm -hmm. you know it's funny actually i had a, an experience with Jeff that I think was maybe my first taste of that where he and I for eighth grade social studies made a movie instead of, we just didn't want to do a report so we we shot a super eight stop motion civil war movie with with clay covered GI Joes and it was very violent and it it was a hit at Granada Middle School and then the district they wanted to show it for all the board of directors at the school public school district <laughs> and I remember going, I don't want to go to this. This just feels like it's going to sound like as a kid, I'm like, I don't want to sell out my art to the, to the man. It wasn't that. It was pure social anxiety. I didn't mm -hmm. want to go. And I remember his mom, who was very proactive, you know, I think in Jeff's uh, child acting career, knocking on the door saying to me, like, you need to get in the car and you need to do this. This is an opportunity and you need to get going. And I remember kind of going... Well, now I really don't want to go. Right. It feels like pressure, and I didn't go. And he went, and I gave him the projector, and he went and he showed it. Do you know how it went over? I think it went okay. You know, this was a weird time where if you showed this now, we'd be put into psychological care because <laughs> there were like bullet hits to the head. You know, I, I um, when I ran for publicity chair in ASB in high school. I, I had recently, I think it was actually, I skipped my eighth grade graduation dance because I finally figured out how to make electronically ignited squibs, you know, both blood packs. <laughs> and so when I ran for publicity in front of the whole school at an assembly, I wired my friend with squibs and he was wearing like a paper sign that said bad publicity. And I said, I promise to eliminate bad publicity. And I pulled out what I had at the time, which is a replica mac 11 machine gun which was indistinguishable from the real one and proceeded to just squib shoot him in front of the whole school with blood spattering everywhere and i everybody was including the teachers were just like oh you're so clever oh just what a what a hoot this was before columbine obviously and everything and you look back at it now and go i can't believe this was ever possible yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, it was not in the cultural consciousness. I mean, it's such a yeah. weird thing in America where we uh, fetishize violence and then uh, recoil at violence, I guess, because it just got too real or something. But it's like, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I it, like, uh, part of me, it wasn't as it was still kind of on the way down uh out like when i was in school but I, I i like i don't think you could take a replica gun or anything but like just violent kind of humor and stuff was i think more in vogue For in sure. a way that it's not anymore and it's like i don't know i i kind of wish it was more like that where you could just be kind of jokey about it because it's like so absurd but i guess that would require a world where you know it's so safe that that violence on that level is yeah. absurd but that's a good point it was a luxury although i also i was elected something called friendliest freshman and the, the girl that was elected we had to french kiss on stage in front of the whole dance as a school sanctioned event and beat the record from the year before it wow insane <laughs> yeah so you know you take the good with the bad i don't know you know for some people that would be good i guess but but uh, i suppose yeah clearly <laughs> assault it's a yeah. mandated assault uh um, yeah and it's weird to have two people 
kissing and neither one of them are perpetrators of assault just right yeah you're both victims yeah yeah that's what what a world you know uh but okay so i kind of want to circle back a little bit to the class clown thing just because Mm -hmm. like what what are your thoughts on that because you know i feel like i wasn't exactly that archetype because i wouldn't I feel like they're always swinging for the fences and they take every shot. Whereas like I'd kind of let those people take their shots. And then occasionally when there was like a downbeat or like no one had a joke or anything, I'd kind of pop up a little bit, but mm. I was very conscious that I didn't want to like come across as those people that were like always like every single time. It's like, no, I only want my like a plus material to be out. I'm not just like shooting from the hip, which was kind of how I perceived like more of that classic archetype. You know, what, 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 what how did you feel? Is it similar? Spencer, that's the smart play. I think, I think I don't know if I was that. I, I'm, 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 I hesitate. I'm afraid to think of what I was like. You know, I, you'd have to ask my classmates, but I imagine there was a real annoying factor mm-hmm. that I probably would regret. I, I think there were a lot of quips and voices and things like that. Oh, voices that I remember ha- having some positive reception but then i think wait a minute i bet i was seeing this with rose-colored glasses and just looking at the people laughing and there was probably a majority of the class rolling their eyes i don't know and certainly some teachers i don't know it's yeah i hmm. i i look at young me in many ways (laughs) and i'm glad i am the age i am now nothing sinister just annoying you know what i mean yeah, I'm sure you were a land of contrast back then. Do you remember any like report cards you got from those times? Because I remember like sometimes you'd be all like, or they'd get something like, oh, this person's a joy to have in the class or, you know, they don't focus on work or anything. Did you get like positive feedback in those or? I think this all started in junior high. So there was no elementary school version of me doing this. I don't know why junior high I had to go to a junior high where I switched, uh, districts kind of and I I didn't know anybody but one other person so I'm not sure maybe this was a defense mechanism that I found but it wasn't quick because I was very quiet in the beginning um I I don't I I think like when I got to high school in theater it was very encouraged and then but I remember we had this poor long-term German class substitute that I just was brutal to that poor woman didn't deserve I, I remember one time throwing a paper airplane and she had a spiky topped mullet and both of us just watching that airplane in slow motion head towards her and she just kind of froze and it just landed and stuck nose first right into her spiky hair and just stayed there. We both just looked at each other like, how is this happening? Where she was like, what has my life become? And I was kind of like, this is too much for even me. What have I done? <laughs> Did that feel like a turning point in any way uh, for you? Or was it just like Mm. one data point? In retrospect, but I don't think I had that kind of insight back then. I think I was frankly unstoppable in a way that I'm not at all proud of, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it sounds like you were like, so you're like a theater kid and stuff. So you were kind of always aware of this kind of i don't know let's call it a creative urge or something like so so and also you're you're an artist like you know you're you have amazing like uh visual drawing skills and stuff and so i'd imagine you've been doing that forever and so like was that something you felt was actively encouraged or you were just naturally drawn to it or like how how did that play out 
Yeah, the art definitely started first. My mom was an artist and we would do a lot of stuff together. And I, I adored that. I love that. I still love it. And then it wasn't until basically I went to Universal Studios and saw this three person Wild West stunt show they had. And there was one of the roles was a comic role played by this stuntman named Bob Rochelle, who I just to this day think he's like the living kind of incarnation of Bugs Bunny or something. And I went home immediately started drafting my neighborhood kids to do stunt shows in my backyard. And that's when I think I got the bug, but it wasn't till I got to high school, it was really an outlet for any of that. My junior high didn't have theater or plays or anything. And so I kept drawing all those years and still do, but it was like high school where I discovered improv and really was like, this is, this is the thing. And it was fairly new. It wasn't new as a performance form, but it was new to schools and people of my age for sure. It was called comedy sports. And it was only the second year it was in, in, in like in any kind of schools. And I started a team at my school and put Jeff on there and, and the rest was history. We joined professional comedy sports a few years later and that's, that's how it all started. So you started the team. How did you know to start a team? Like, how does that, how does that work? Well, you'd go to these theater festivals in high school and perform like Shakespeare scenes and sketches uh -huh. and things like that. And they would always, the professional comedy sports show that existed in Hollywood had an outreach thing where they'd come right. to these and do these, you know, you could, they would do assemblies and they would perform and you could join that way. And so I joined via my school, I joined my school up. And then you would go to these festivals on Saturday and training sessions and that sort of thing. And then each school was assigned a coach that was from the professional team which later then i would become when i was on the professional team become a coach for these high schools and stuff and you could it was one of the few improv groups you could actually make money on by doing remote shows and coaching high school and stuff and i generally supplemented or lived my like got my income that way for a long time yeah um kevin is putting in the chat that derek mears was also at comedy sports that's I how i met derek yeah that's how he and i became friends yeah Damn, we gotta get Derek back. He's, and Dan Harmon really and you know, Rob Schraub, Chris Tallman, Jeff, all of us. That's how we all met. Yeah, but that was way later, right? I, I was under the impression yeah. like it was yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so you went to college. Were you going to college for theater, like the performance related stuff, or did you just want like a general baseline? I went originally to study graphic design and yeah. I was taking some art classes and my teacher told me I was seduced by the line. And I was like, Well, I'm here for illustration and graphic design anyway we didn't get along and i started auditioning for plays i really enjoyed it so i kind of tried to have the best of both worlds and i ended up getting my undergrad degree in um scenic design so i would act in the plays and then take scenic design and illustration classes and then i i ended up going to grad school at the same school cal state long beach and doing acting there for grad oh, school and then wow. i would teach yeah. So did you feel like really driven to like perform in that world? Or do you did you have like a high minded ideal that you were following, like especially like getting out of college? Or are you just kind of like doing you know, like, I don't know, you know, following kind of your your passions and just doing the projects and stuff that were around? I I think I didn't I was living in the moment, I did enough of my own little creative endeavors that I was just happy kind of doing that. I think I was also afraid of the world in the future. So I stayed in a school and went to grad school that wasn't very good. Frankly, it was run by a chair of the department who was run out of town for plagiarism. And, you know, <laughs> this plays we did were pretty bad. 
and uh, he literally plagiarized from Calvin and Hobbes and put it in his play. We we caught we found it. It was crazy. Um, wow. And then I think when I was graduating grad school, I knew it was time to get headshots and try the commercial thing, which Jeff Davis was already doing. And I felt like this is what I have to do. But deep down, I had such an anxiety about it. I did not enjoy it. I did it for years until I finally said, "This. Why am I doing this? I don't like this." I, I still like acting. I like doing shows, and and if a you know a TV show or something will come along and say, "Do you want to do this?" I love it. But the audition process, I hate. And then it was right when I said to my agent, "I'm not doing commercials anymore." Where they said, uh, "Well, there's this last one. It's a six campaign Volkswagen commercial, six spots. Can you come do this?" And I I went in and auditioned because I thought like I've got nothing to lose. I don't care, and ended up getting that, and then did that for three and a half years, like thirty four. <laughs> commercials or something as the spokesperson for Volkswagen. And then I was so grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, that must have been a lot of fun. I mean, I remember not all of the commercials, but I remember a lot of the commercials and they were just really fun. And a lot of commercials just suck so bad, you know, so like it really stood out, especially like car commercials are very humorless, you know, so yeah, and and they were fun. They were like kind of little puzzles. And it was there was always a real challenge to get all that dialogue out and hit these weird marks because there were special effects and stuff so it felt like kind of like a game that wasn't always very easable easy or even winnable sometimes yeah yeah i i'm really jealous of uh i don't know i i don't know what my parents were or weren't encouraging they wanted me to go to school but like they didn't really help me figure out what to go to school for or anything they're just like yeah go to school that's a thing people do you know <laughs> and then i was like i don't i don't know what to do um i really like comedy as a kid but i just it was like that thing where you don't realize that it's like a job that people can do. So I would watch stand up on Comedy Central like all the time, but it just mm. never stuck in my head that like, oh, those people like I think in my head it was like those people got hired in an office and part of the job after they're done typing on a computer is like to go out on stage or something, you know, <laughs> not that like this was like, you know, they're artists kind of honing their own skill and I'm pretty sure we never really had any improv like sort of stuff in um, high school, although we did have a theater program and stuff. But like in middle school, we had a uh, an improv elective class that I, I wow. took, which was I'm like so jealous. For, yeah, it was cool. But like, again, like I just didn't connect that that was like on this kind of track. It was like, oh, you know, you did you did uh you did ceramics for one quarter and then for another yeah. quarter you did like French and then you did like sex ed and then you did like improv and then improv was just like we're trying to just do jokes from whose line is it anyway was like kind of our only conception of what that was really. Yeah. But it, I don't think it's very much like um what uh improv classes are like now i'm sure no there's a couple way. games but no because i think even in your time there there would have been no no one would have been saying oh you know this is a viable path or anything like that and it's still often just an an end a means to an end you know and i never would have thought well isn't it funny that you and i we we had ideas about what we wanted to do at the time but would you have ever thought either of us would end up in a new media that kind of doesn't is kind of performing but you're also yourself just trying to be a little sharper than you normally are day yeah. to day i the closest thing i can liken it to is when i was younger listening to kind of like morning dj shows where i was kind of obsessed with my local one and i i thought i would what a job either that or voiceover and animation 
how could he get any better than that? And I think that's generally true. The better thing about podcasting is you don't have to be up at four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, specifically radio is like the, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I wanted to be what I thought was a real job and maybe is, I don't know, a gene splicer, someone who makes new creatures out of DNA com oh combinations. My God. Oh, wow. And uh, then I was like, well, you know, I'll be an inventor instead. I'll just make new machines and create robots out of my garage. And then, you know, neither of those exist. And so I was like, I guess just scientist. But my idea of a scientist was like Bill Nye, who yeah. is a comedian, you know, and uh, he's a science presenter, a science communicator is what they say nowadays. But you can't just scientist you have to pick like oh i want to be a marine biologist i right, want to be a chemical one. engineer you know and so once i found out that you had to do that i was like no i don't i only want to do all science i don't want to yeah, pick I, one science <laughs> and so then i was just fucked and i didn't know what to do i had no idea I, in, in in high school i was doing like physics and stuff but physics it turns out is all fucking math and i'm not mm. bad at math but i hate math like i was yeah. pretty solid at math it's just not fun at all there's nothing fun about it it's 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 like the worst problem solving kind of puzzle you could ever do you know it's just uh, it's all very stagnant and so then i was like well i can't really do math and i was good at writing but i was like well i don't want to be a writer because what well, you 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 pitch and eventually get a book sold and then you have to write the book Mm -hmm. And then you have to go and promote the book and then you have to come up with another book. It's like all of that sounded just like just tr trying to beg people to like give you, you know, what you needed. And so I kind of just wrote that off. And so I was like, maybe I'll try and become like a radio producer. And so that was kind of the direction in my head, just like be someone who's involved in radio production. And I was looking for schools for stuff like that, but I never really got there. And, uh, you know, and so then I just randomly fell where I am now, which is I never could have on purpose done this. I feel like I was just kind of like, uh, like yanked out of uh, a retail kind of track and then plopped here and then. I didn't know what the fuck was going on because it was just never anything I had considered in life. So I didn't know like what you even do, like, how do you grow a skill, you know? And I, I hate taking risks and I'm just terrified. Like oh, you're talking too. about social anxiety, you know, it's just, uh, how do you go? How do you go through? Like, I don't know. Like even now I think about like, uh, it would be interesting to try doing stand up, but you have to do open mics and bomb <laughs> and that's what you have to do. It's like, no, that's a nightmare, you know? Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's really it's a really i just like and so now where i am now it's just like i don't i don't know what i've even built like i don't know what skills i have or what skills people value i i certainly don't have a lot of traditional skills like degrees or like corporate training for this or that job you know which i've been looking for jobs lately and the stuff that people want is i don't know like you can't i'm looking for I was just looking at city jobs in in Burbank and LA and stuff and like for just like groundskeeping and stuff which I've done yard work for like a decade or more you know but like they want like three plus years in groundskeeping experience so you can like do oh, a riding wow. lawnmower and it's like come on man I could fucking trim a hedge I'm not like I don't know right. I, it just uh, it's just it's all a nightmare um it, it, man I don't, I don't know uh but so i feel like i can either start over which i'm down to start over uh like it just in another field or i can just keep trying to like hit the button until you know something kind of takes off which is taxing and torturous and stuff 
Yeah, it's a weird world right now. Or even <laughs> even I, I I I don't like taking risks either. Um, if anything, I I kind of work on things on my own and then almost like backdoor pilot them through another project of mine or something. Mm-hmm. Just kind of use that as a way to like get exposure on it and see if it goes. But ultimately, I, I'm I don't. The only thing I've ever done in my recent career that hasn't been just something I wanted to do for fun creatively that has allowed a bit like luckily been able to have its own life in some other way is the Conan podcast because I was just kind of brought to it. So it had I, I helped develop the show, but it wasn't like usually the things kind of germinate from an idea for me that I go, oh, that sounds fun. I'm going to do this regardless of what it is and then see if there's a life for it. But it is weird to 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 kind of try to figure out do i need to pursue work or can i just let work be works for work's sake like go trim a hedge <laughs> for the fun of it <laughs> you know, i actually like in the during quarantine i started pruning my garden and watering plants and realized oh this is this is zen and by definition i'm now old <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I love Griffith Park and I go to Griffith Park a lot and I'm just super jealous and this is weird or whatever of the people who work at the park and like what they're Mm -hmm. doing is gathering trash bags and probably like hosing down public restrooms and stuff. But I'm like, man, they get to drive around. They get to walk around in the park. They're moving their bodies. They're getting some exercise in. It just sounds really zen and ideal. And and then it's just I don't know. Like, I have think, you looked for that specific job? Is that does that have a bunch of requirements too? Uh, I I don't know if it does. I don't think any of those slots are hiring oh, um, right now. What they've been looking for in like parks department is like activities coordinators. Which oh. I mean, I guess I could do activity coordinators, but I don't. I feel like this is a insecurity I have. I feel like. I don't look like someone who people would want around kids, you know? Um, And I tell you that because in my past, in the past, it hasn't happened lately because I've been inside, but I would just be at a store and I'd be like looking for grapes or something. And then I'd see like a woman glare at me and clutch her child close. And it's like, you you get enough of those experiences and you're like, oh, people... I just threaten people passively, like when I'm looking for grapes, you know, and so it's, it's so I, I don't know, maybe I could be like a, an adult care facility activities coordinator or uh, something. That well, might I'm be. just curious. I don't think you should do this. Obviously, the problem lies with those people, but has that ever made you consider shaving the beard and cutting the hair to to conform to the expectations of these, you know, ultimately wrong people i'm just curious if that's yeah i mean i i had a therapist who said i should cut my hair and trim my beard and i did end up trimming my beard because of that i noticed but why did they say that what for what reason uh because one of the things that i deal with uh that i would talk to therapists about uh is that i just feel intensely lonely and constantly alone like and not even just relationship manners just like i i feel like an outsider like begging for like friends to hang out with me i feel like i just don't feel accepted in any way you know and so i think like well he's like i'm not saying you should do this hypothetically uh, i'm probably making excuses for him i don't think he was this gentle but he was like you know part (laughs) of it is you have an unusual appearance and it might just be the case that if you took away the parts that were unusual in appearance it might just solve some of those problems by making you less unusual and more precedented and thus 
you know. That's hilarious. I don't think by today's standards you have an unusual appearance. If it were 1950, yes, but that's what's so funny. Wow. Yeah, and I, I honestly, the stuff, those formative traumas and stuff haven't happened in a while, so maybe it's not, it's more like a mental thing these days than it used to be, but mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, when I have my hair back and a ponytail and, and my beard is shorter, which right now it's like about three times as long as, as it, you know, I should be shaving it down again, but like when my beard is close and it's in a ponytail, I think I just look like a guy, you know, I think I look pretty standard in, in modern day kind of parlance, but you know. Uh, it's, it's tough. You know, I'm actually, I'm going to see a new therapist tomorrow and I'm very excited. Um, I, I got recommended from someone, uh, and they were talking about how much it was helpful. And I was like, Hey, I should do that. I want to feel good in my life again. And, uh, I was feeling really gung ho about it, but lately I was like, wait a second, that person isn't struggling financially. <laughs> mm. Like maybe I'll go through this therapy and become activated and be like, no, I'm still fucked because I'm still just like, I don't, I'm not in control of my own destiny, you know? Um, yeah. But, and so now I'm kind of a bummer about it, but it's good to have reasonable expectations. I don't think it's going to be any miracle cure or whatever, but it'll probably be helpful. Yeah, it never is, but it's, it's the journey, right? Yeah. 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 I just want, it would be nice to skip the journey, you know? Uh, the journey is <laughs> I, know. Not I know it's not fun. <laughs> I know. And even when you get to the, you know, having done a fair amount of therapy myself, even when you get to the end, it's not a platform you arrive at and go, wow, great to be here, all you other victors. You just go, oh, I'm glad I'm at this spot and not the, the last station or something, you know, it's, yeah. it's just so incremental. Or if best case scenario, you don't even think about it and then you don't even get to celebrate the victory. It's just absent. Yeah, it's just less all of you a can droning. ask for, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I did want to talk about, uh, about the podcast. I think it's, uh, 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 I don't know. It's you're talking about anxiety and stuff and, and discomfort a little bit, but I, I think of you as someone with a lot of ease and, and like, you know, confidence and just like comfortability, uh, which is maybe not true all the time, but, but, you know, I, I don't know, like on super ego and stuff, it's even when you're kind of. You know, I think you have this comedic style that's sometimes really reaching for something that you haven't fully thought up yet. And then yeah. like that effort and whatever that outcome is, like part of what's great about it is it feels like it, it was like really, you're really almost there and you got something and you're like, <laughs> I don't even know if I got this or what, but here it is. And it's just always funny, you know? Um, so, but, but even that, which is some, like there's some vulnerability in that, but it still feels kind of confident to me, even just the confidence that I can do that. That's a move in my pocket that i can do as as opposed to like someone who might think of something and then not say it you know but but moving to to be kind of somewhat of a at least playing at an underling you know on conan o'brien needs a friend was that a weird adjustment did you feel comfortable oh, yeah. with that no i did not it was difficult it was uh because first of all i wasn't even meant to be on the show i was just helping develop an idea and a concept for the show helping to get it on its feet be there for the recordings of the first pilot and then it just sort of happened organically that I got involved. But the first few years of that were tough because I also don't really trade in kind of 
roast humor all that you're you're much. nice i i i share that with you whereas i would like everyone to be nice i know I that too. a lot of comedy is like haha joking like meanness and it's not serious meanness but it is but it's like what about haha niceness you know yeah and so yeah. I, I i think uh, when listening to the podcast i was kind of in your shoes a little bit where it's like well i mean i get it but it's like come on let's just like let's just you know just just josh around i don't know which i think conan can do that a lot and he's definitely has like self self uh you know uh, uh deprecating humor and stuff and, and all of that's really funny but definitely it's it's a very typical comedic instinct to kind of go for the throat which works it's just you know i just want everyone to be nice <laughs> yeah i'm the same way and i like a back and forth where maybe it's funny because in super ego we kind of throw out the yes and element of improv but in you know, pseudo your yourself banter. I still like that kind of thing. And that it was just a, a different world for me to get used to. And ultimately I, I had to, um, and I, honestly, I couldn't tell because I was kind of new to that world, what was real and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. I, I admittedly was a little lost and, and I, I never quite knew where I stood. And it was only the past year to I think at coming out of quarantine because also zoom wasn't helping you can't tell rhythms you can't tell right. you can't look as closely in someone's eyes to see if they're <laughs> joking or not you know and yeah. um so coming out of that and getting into our new studio it really feels nice now I feel more comfortable I feel more uh safe I guess is is it's funny to think of it in those terms but it was just because it was a kind of territory I wasn't used to and and also not knowing how much I should be involved and I still feel like I think it, I go through these phases where I think like oh now's a good time for me to actually step back a little I've become a little too familiar you know and <laughs> and uh so it's I try not to overthink it but there was a time where I couldn't help but overthink it especially during quarantine where you just are left with your thoughts and your thoughts are often <laughs> you not your friend you know my thoughts weren't yes ending me yeah well and it's like it's like you were saying it's it's something you're unfamiliar with in a lot of ways it's like a language that you didn't even speak and then like without with the zoom and everything it's also depriving you of the languages of body language and stuff yeah. and these other ways to kind of center yourself and know that you're okay you know so i think it was definitely interesting to see you work up it's just i don't know there was a pretty recent intro uh, episode it might have been um you know one of the the summer s'mores but where you just did one of the things that I was describing, like where you're kind of grasping at straws and kind of trying to pull pull something out. And then like Conan's like, wow, what a dumb thing you just said. And it's like, yeah, that's what everyone loves. That's what we love yeah. when Matt does that. It's so I funny. Know. And, and it's like, I, it's just like, it's got to be so interesting <laughs> because because obviously you're not on his level of of success or whatever and maybe even not just being on all the time necessarily i don't know but at the same time you are like a real big dog with a big audience that knows you for things so you're kind of like you're kind of doing your signature move like calling your shot and then doing it and then there's going to be some people um uh, you know and i don't know how many of those people listen to the podcast but i'm the, definitely i listen to the podcast because of you oh um, so like for me i was like yeah and then like for them not even that they're like kind of like making a joke about it but just it's not registering to them like what that was you yeah. know and being like man i just like i i wish that i wish that you could see it the way i do you know because it's really it's That's really funny. special i appreciate that because that is my truest self that kind of thing and so i'm used to you know 
coming up with super ego through with jeremy and just there's we never have to question it's never even a consideration about diving in too deep or whatever because not only is it's not even a thing of like oh my buddy's gonna be there for me comedically it's just jeremy's already there like oh you got a sandbox let's play let's go deeper you know it's just is what it is and so i felt like i gotta tamp myself down for that because a it's not my show in fact sure again I, I was never supposed to be part of this so it's presumptuous of me to go on there and go you want to see the real matt gorley he's a weirdo and he wants to borrow your shoulders you know whatever <laughs> i i don't know that 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 has been a slow process if any of that can come out and i think it's probably at the limit of what it can be because i also get a lot of feedback online that is not not good you know yeah. when you have an audience that big of people that aren't you know they want a specific type of comedy especially from someone specific like conan and sure i think they think that's just me messing up like actually not having a a punchline to something they mm -hmm. and that's fine i think i could understand how you could see it that way but there's definitely two camps you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's interesting because uh you know not to compare myself to you but it feels when i'm listening to the podcast i feel like shades of like harmontown in the sense that you're like okay i know that i have this box and i'm in this box and hypothetically i could step out of the box at any time and on some times it seems like people want me to do that yeah. but it's it's something that you have to do knowing that it's not your thing and and it's just like it's it's this weird i i don't know it becomes this really crazy psychological game you're playing like or or you're destroying yourself over and that's that's another thing that i really uh like about it uh whereas you know for instance sona i think feels a lot more comfortable with her kind of shtick and what she she does it doesn't seem like there's a lot of second guessing there whereas i think that's because they have such a close relationship whereas you know you're more like which is more maybe like jeff on on harmontown whereas i'm just like a guy who's like where did i come from and why am i here you know and it's just it's it's a very hard kind of uh like question to be asking all the time to kind of put it through everything which is not something i think a lot of performers typically do but i guess it's because it's kind of a non-standard role in like this performance space yeah but it, it kind of it's yeah. also the enemy to any kind of organic you know entertainment or banter so i really have and especially of late just go like don't you can think about it after also i edit so i'd be lying if i said i didn't take out things i've said that are like oh that's too matt gorley that's just too stupid it's too it's not it's just like that has no business being here it's and, and sometimes it's selfish and stuff and you know so there's there's any any version of it you can imagine so i just try not to think about it you know yeah that's yeah. i think the best you can do i don't know yeah. that that what you just said about your editing it reminds me of when we were doing harman quest um you know i was in there with the the editor on everything um and and i hate myself so but i'm a big part of the show you know like I'm, yeah. I'm arguably the center of the show in a lot of ways um <laughs> although the dm is kind of a, a peripheral character it's like this weird kind of you're you're centrally creating everything but on the same time you're at the edges of like what what they're doing and what everyone's doing um and i just you know and i would and i'm making a lot of the stuff up and i'm i'm i have like a weird script that doesn't fit very well because it's so improvised and then we get in the edit bay and i'm like just cut all of me 
out. I would just be uh, like, yeah, cut that. And people are like, no, people want that. That's like you being funny. And I'm like, no, it sucks. I hate it. Like, no, and way, it's like, no, no you way. just hate yourself. <laughs> like, there's not- no way. But although I completely understand that. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a weird thing, but you know, Harmon quest is, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I get, I get self deprecating stuff. Oh, self. Will there ever stuff. be more Harmon quest? No, I don't think so. Uh, I just, uh, I really enjoyed those. Thanks, man. I, I it's just uh, on some level, it's really good that like the first creative project I was involved in was like such this true essence of like my creative voice, and I was so heavily involved. Like I was giving notes on all the character designs. Like it was, it was mm. all very much like indicative of what I think is good, you know. And yeah. I, I, I don't know how like critically successful it was or whatever but in my mind it was a huge success you know and so it's like to, like it's it's awesome that a lot of people they have to work for a bunch of shows they hate on ideas they don't think are interesting before you know they get that freedom to create something that's actually from their you know heart and passion and stuff but on the other hand it's it's very likely that that is the peak like it's just that was the peak and there's like never gonna especially if all of entertainment's just disintegrating or whatever the fuck you know it's like who knows like that could have been the peak of my life and it didn't feel like it at the time because i was just like "Ah, i get all get all this shit done and i was doing it while being an assistant at the same time so it's like i gotta leave the sound edit so i can uh sign for a mattress delivery or something you know (laughs) and so it's like i couldn't really enjoy it the way you know you might enjoy it if you were just getting there without doing other stuff i don't think there's ever a a version where you are aware something's the peak and enjoy it for what it is and i don't say that as like i think even the least neurotic person would not be able to recognize that so the key is is like finding the peak in your personal life yeah and the rest is gravy i guess you know yeah yeah but uh my personal life yeesh not (laughs) not so great i take it all back (laughs) but well you're about to go to therapy so that's that's a step in the right direction that's huge I think it'll be good. I just, it's, it's, uh, I like therapy. I don't have a problem with therapy. I, I did see a therapist that I was pretty sure was just a really bad therapist, mm-hmm. but it's like the idea of waiting through therapists and trying to find one. And you have to yeah. go for a couple of weeks before, you know, know. it's like, it's and you brutal. have to pay money. You yeah. know, it's like, you can't just have a trial period for free. Come on. You probably suck. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's true. You should be able to. Uh, it just like it, it made me not want to uh, keep looking, and so getting a like a recommendation was like, well, I'm not looking. I'm just gonna try this thing that's here, you know. So, yeah. it's, it's, it's I think uh, I feel pretty lucky for even getting a recommendation, no matter what comes of it, because that's like the hardest part of it is just done, you know. And right. who knows, I might have to switch or whatever, but I feel at least a bit more empowered. Um, Good. But but yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see okay kevin uh, okay well first i do what didn't you do kevin the first thing we should do is we actually have a segment called what's kevin's deal where uh we try and figure out kevin you know we said jeff's a man of mystery but kevin is actually much more mysterious than jeff if you can believe Mm. that um and so we like to try and guess what kevin's deal is is there a song is that what you're doing kevin what's kevin's deal all right uh okay so how it works is you come up with a deal 
and then you ask if it's Kevin's deal. So I'll go first just because, you know, that will explain the game on some level. And I don't know. We usually only do like one round of this because it has diminishing returns probably okay. months ago. But, um, you know, uh, so Kevin, is your deal that you're a jet setting power player who's seeding new startups wherever you go, like a modern day Johnny Company seed? I mean, I would love to do that, but no, that is that is not my deal. God damn it. I mean, so, it, it, it would be fun. Yeah. But no, I, I, I don't do that. It'd be a risk, though. It'd be like gambling. But um, so that's kind of what we do, Matt. There's some interesting thing where our, so our guests often have unique, keen insights on Kevin's actual deal in a way that I've never been able to pin down. So, you know, okay. do, whatever you're feeling intuitively might actually be way closer to home than you think. Okay, Kevin, is your deal that you have a kind of aspirational um, environmental aesthetic in that you bought what looks to me like one of those old classic airline ETA boards, but have not hung it? Yes, actually. I, I'm really fascinated by like old signs and displays and things like me that. Too. Like, um, I actually have one of the old like from Disney World in the 90s, they had these giant LED signs of like, you know, buy your ticket here and like, you know, pass holders here and stuff like that. I have one of those. Ah. Um, so yeah, I, I have these this weird, very athletic collection of media. But but is part of your deal that you you haven't hung it? Is that part of your deal? Um, surprisingly, yes. Most of it's in storage or just haphazardly placed around my house because I never really know where I want to put things. Mm. Okay. But what so, is that yeah. sign, Kevin? That's like it's not quite old. It's more like in the style of of old fashioned shit, right? What uh, what is it? Yeah, is it's, it it's from a company in? called Vestaboard. Yeah, um, I might get one. I, I they're, they're really nice. Those. Yeah, um, it, it's it's totally impractical. It's heavy. It's silly, and it's it's very loud when it's flipping through the this. You know, for those people who are, are just listening, not watching, it's one of those old like flip style signs where like you see in an old train station where where it's like updating so it's flip, flip 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 as it goes through the letters. Um, it's it's it, it's fantastic. It's one hundred percent my deal. It's just not yeah. um something I think is most people's deal. I, I've been thinking of getting one because we're renovating our garage into an ADU, which will become my workspace. And I was thinking, rather than text me, maybe my wife could get on the app and send a message via the Vesta board. But if you're saying it's super loud, that's probably not great for podcasting. I mean, I, I felt like I could probably put some foam inside it to, to dampen it a little bit and things like that. And you yeah. can also set quiet hours, too, where like this means specific ah. times it won't update. Oh, that's good. Wow. Yeah, yeah. See, part of Kevin's deal is he likes to go the extra mile to make other people write whatever they say. So it was very clear that it was a loud thing. And he's like, well, you could hypothetically put foam in it. Come on. You can't put foam in it. It's going to be loud. <laughs> it's, it's never going to be quiet. But well, I, that's I think part of you, its charm, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it needs to have that noise or it's just not the same thing. Okay. Yeah. So that's Kevin's deal. I don't know. Uh, so another thing, well, another part of Kevin's deal is that he's a crazy techie guy. He's really uh, intense when it comes to tech stuff. And he asked ChatGPT to ask you a bunch of uh, uh, interview questions. And some of them are okay. I don't know. Uh, just to read some of the bad ones, unless any of them you liked, in, the, in which case, uh, you know, it's a good question. But uh, he says, you've been involved in both podcasting and improv. How do the skills of one transfer to influence the other? Can you share a moment in your career where something uh, went unexpectedly unexpectedly wrong or right on stage during a recording and how you handle it? 
who are your comedy heroes and how have they influenced your work any of those good for you or do they yeah just not good when i was doing comedy sports in high school i used to go perform at this all-girls high school in locking out of flint ridge called flint ridge sacred heart academy it was like a hour drive from whittier but they're they were doing a production of midsummer night's dream and the guy playing oberon dropped out and so they asked me to be in it i was super scrawny and thin and oberon is supposed to be this he's a fairy but he's like the fairy king he's like mr sensuality you know like think matthew mcconaughey or idris elba or something like that sure. and so here i am playing this role and i would joke with the girl playing puck at the time that i had this line my gentle puck that i was like what if i fucked up and said my gentle fuck and i did opening night on stage it was just <laughs> planted in my brain and i said that and she just looked at me with wide eyes and all these catholic parents there in the audience and we no one ever spoke of it it just happened oh that's yeah. awesome i mean that's got to be mortifying but what <laughs> what a story huh? i definitely feel like i've done stuff like that um i'll just do one more um <laughs> You've been a seminal figure in the podcasting world. How do you a chat GPT says that? Um, yeah, that's when you know you've made it. Wow. <laughs> and I don't know if Ke if Kevin like fed it a bunch of info on like what Matt Gordley is, or it's just nope. using its own database. So wow. yeah, it's using its own understanding. Um, How do you? Yeah. Say, what? read that again. I'm a what? A seminal figure? You've been a seminal figure in the podcasting yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> what a badge of honor. <laughs> How do you see the evolution of podcasting over the years, and where do you think it's headed? Oh, that is a good question. My own personal experience in this is kind of like taking both paths. Um, you know, I have these independent podcasts. I have a Patreon subscription podcast. I work for a podcast that's part of a giant network. And then my wife, Amanda, and I developed a podcast with Amazon and Audible, just an eight-episode limited series about what it's like, all the crazy shit that goes on working at theme parks. And that oh, damn. was supposed to be out before our daughter was born. It took more time than a TV show to get the deal done. The process of developing it took forever. The executive we were handed was a former nuclear arms specialist who didn't understand our style, but ultimately also contributed quite a bit. And then all of that was to say that at the end of it, they said, ah, we're changing our podcast slate. We won't need this anymore. You can have it back. And luckily they paid us everything, but now we're going to release it independently this fall. But it was like three years when that normally, if a man and I just wanted to do that would have taken us six weeks tops, yeah. you know, it's crazy. Yeah, you know, um, I don't know. So how it's much of it's everything and nothing. The industry right now. There, I used to think there was like it was Wild West in the beginning. Now more than ever, it's Wild West in that there's just like the, you know, the Dupont families and the <laughs> you know, Rothschilds and things, and then there's just a bunch of settlers and occasionally a settler strikes gold. Otherwise, everybody's just kind of there in the gold rush, you know. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I don't know how much I should talk about this, but uh, I am have been trying to do something at Amazon. Uh, it's more of a TV kind of project, and uh -huh. I guess they seem like they just move very kind of slowly and oh. they change up their ideas. Uh, yeah. The development process has been over three years. Yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, 
It's uh, it's not super fun. Um, so we're just about out of time, but let's just get one question from the audience. Do you have any plans for a super ego reunion, like an episode or a movie commentary? Mm, well, we just did a live show where we have a offshoot of our podcast called Forgotten Classics, where we all five of us, including James Bladen, who's not you know a typical member, although he's kind of the fifth super ego guy and a dear friend. Um, we find a book that we've never read and we improvise what we think it is given the first line, the last line and the list of characters. And we did James Joyce's Ulysses and it was so fun. And it was actually able to live stream. And then as far as doing an episode, I would love to do another commentary. I would love to do it live. I want to find a movie theater that could hook us up with a screening and be able to do live commentary and character of certain things. And then I bet we get back to a regular Superego episode around the 20th anniversary, which is, you know, ultimately not that far away. 2026 would probably, I, I, I'm hoping we'll put something out because we're all still really close and we love doing things together. As evidenced by this last live show, we had such a good time doing it. And like, like, again, like any marriage, you know, everything ebbed and flows and energies and lifestyles and all that stuff. But it was really, really fun. And I know we'll do more someday soon yeah i just i think it's got to be so cool to have like a group like that um just like again nice. like i feel so i on harmontown i felt very peripheral and like i didn't even know i was like part of the harmontown crew until like years into it you know i just thought of myself as just like an audience member kind of and then even then as we kind of gelled more it's like well you know it's like I, dan and J uh, jeff are just like really close friends whereas i'm just like a guy who shows up on sundays you know and um and so I, I don't know like i feel so other than kevin here i feel just so alone when it comes to trying to make stuff where it's like either i do everything or like I don't do it like there's not even an option of like trying to spin up a group so like mm. just having a nice group dynamic where you can feel comfortable and, and do stuff is it's got to be so cool um but but that's that's all the time we have we got to get matt out of here um but thank you so much i i had a great time i i, I kind of just really grilled you more than like had like a nice conversation you know but i hope it was good for you <laughs> oh, of um, course it was I yeah, love seeing but, you, Spencer. I, I am a fan of yours, and you always kind of make my day better than it was before that. You know. Uh -huh. Well, I hope the trend continues uh, in the future, <laughs> but do you have any anything you want to plug or anything before we uh, sign off here? Well, that Disney, I shouldn't call it that. It's about many theme parks. Sure. Uh, but, come on. Uh, <laughs> It's going to be out October 16th, it looks like. Uh, the first two episodes dropped that day, and we had a really good time putting this together. There's some crazy stories about people that have worked at the major theme parks, uh, including Amanda and myself, who worked and met at a theme park. So we have plenty of little things to pepper in there, but it's uh, it's been a labor of love, and we're really happy with it, and I hope... Uh, people will check it out on October 16th, anywhere you get podcasts. Awesome. So uh, right before we sign off, I just want to say that uh, we're trying to put our Patreon patron names on the credits of these episodes going forward. So we haven't started doing that yet. But if you don't want your name to be on the credits for some reason, you're on the lamb, whatever, you're stepping out on your wife, I don't know, uh, you know, just uh, let us know and we won't put you in the credits. Otherwise, you're going to be plastered up there for eternity, baby. And uh, we won't take it down. <laughs> we probably would if anyone complained uh but but yeah so so keep that in mind otherwise you know if you want to be on the credits 
give me money. Um, the patreon.com slash the Sixler. All it takes is uh, some money. Who knows? Uh, but we like to end the show the same, ta- uh, ta- uh, the same way we do every week. So until next time, beef out. <laughs> Ah, we got you. You thought it was over and probably you already closed the window. <laughs> but yeah, uh we had to get Matt out of there. I was just getting sick of the guy. <laughs> no, uh Matt is very gracious with his time. He is very busy these days and we wanted to respect his time. I think he would have been okay if we pushed it a little longer, but I don't want to use up that uh energy. So instead, we're going to keep talking with just Kevin. What's up, Kevin? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We we went to Vegas this weekend. Um, can't get enough of Vegas, apparently. Lo- love being there. Um, so went there again and had a great time. We saw Lady Gaga live. That was she does it just a really good show. Um, she did her like this jazz piano kind of thing with a full orchestra, which is totally not what I, I see her as. But she did she did a killer job at it. It was it was one of the best shows I've ever been to. Wow. You know, I heard uh, Lady Gaga. She wants your love and she wants your revenge. Is that you know she wants a lot of things and and that's that's got to be two of them that's probably your top two yeah and she's getting them you know she's getting those things she wants as far as i can tell who knows uh okay so i've been listening back to old episodes to make clip shows in case we miss and stuff which we did miss we missed this week this last week uh there's a replay um but i don't know where it came from but i think at some point in the episode you mentioned that you had connections with a soda company that can actually make custom sodas. Do you remember any of this? Yes. So how much does it make or cost to make a soda? My understanding is there's kind of like an upfront charge depending on how, like if you just want to take one of their off the shelf flavors, it's, it's nothing. But if you want them to like custom make you a flavor based off of your descriptions and your flavor profiles, things like that, there's a lot of back and forth and how many revisions you want is basically how much that costs the exact amount. I, I don't know, but, and then from there they do a run and it's, you know, how fancy you want to get, do you want custom printed like little, um, you know, you get labels on it, but do you want the little four pack bottle holders or do you want it in cans or how do you want that? It all really depends on, on quantity. So I would need to get more information, but it didn't seem like it was something that we couldn't do if we wanted to. Yeah, man. I just want to say that like when you're describing that you kind of locked into like a different speaking mode that was so like matter of fact, it was like, you're really on top of things. I don't know. That's like, I feel like when you're at work or something, that's probably kind of more how you talk or something. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I kind of have different personalities depending on what I do. And like when I'm like talking techie things or I'm, I'm doing more businessy kind of stuff, I, I have a much more in your face attitude, I guess, you know, sure. I'm, I'm much more direct and we're here when it's you and me talking, I feel like we're just, you know, friends talking kind of thing. So I'm not quite that, that, right. that same level, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. It's like there's a different level of stakes to the communication that's happening or something. Also, it's like there's more clear you're you're conveying things that are more clear in your head than like just kind of improving a conversation or anything. But like, I don't know. I, the, the reason I ask is there's no way we could ever make money on this. But hypothetically, we could as merch sell a that happens soda. That's something that could technically be done. Presumably it would we'd, we'd lose thousands of dollars at the very least but it could be done so like what would what i don't know what would i guess like the logo 
I don't think our podcast logo would be a good logo for that, you know, but I mean, maybe the original logo with both of our heads, the same size, like that does kind of feel like old timey a little bit. You could maybe kind of make it more, what do you call it? Like monochrome, like white and blue or something, you know, but we could like take just your head and do kind of like, you know, the Lester Spipson's kind of thing, but we could do, you know, Spencer's sip and drink or something like that and make it really old timey really like you know like this 1920s or even earlier kind of logo design yeah. i can see that working do you think they can make a frenet bronca flavored soda <laughs> you know given enough time i'm sure they could pull anything off but oh man that jeff would jeff would buy one hate it and that would be the only one we would sell it might be the thing like we always used to joke about like that soda is going to kill Jeff, you know, but it would be it could it could be fitting if we made a that happens soda that was Fernet Bronco flavored and Jeff drank it. And I think that actually would kill him. Like, I think that might be the thing that finally does it. Uh, okay. Yeah. So maybe we could talk more offline. I'm sure there's no way to make money off of that. I mean, uh, maybe. But hey. If you, if, if you listening at home would buy one, email us and tell us, like, would you, would you buy a, a four pack or six pack or whatever of these things, you know, w would you buy one? What would you pay for it? Like, even knowing that was going to, to support the cause, you know, for making Spencer's life better, you know, <laughs> the most can, can charitable you, cause there could be. <laughs> yeah. We, we can do like a Jerry Lewis style telethon until we've sold them out. You know, like I just won't sleep for a day and a half <laughs> while telling bad jokes and that sort of thing while um we try to sell out the inventory of sodas we've made yeah that could be good uh i, I it's it seems like a fun thing i mean the thing is like our podcast isn't anything you can imagine if harmontown did something like this there'd be a reason like fans might just want a bottle that says like harmontown kettle one brand soda or something you know like i can imagine that i think it's probably trying like uh, getting too big for my britches to assume like an idea like that would make sense for this podcast but that was kind of like where that idea came from i don't know um i don't even know if we have time for this but the the one thing the the main reason that i wanted to do this this kind of post show or whatever and i uh, i don't know now that i think about it, we got to figure out how to actually like cut this together i mean i guess you could just do it how it is but whatever was that i've been looking for jobs on indeed.com and boy howdy does it suck i've been looking for medical transport jobs where you like uh transport medical supplies or like urine samples or whatever the fuck uh just because that feels like a job where you're mostly driving and driving sounds great like i drive a lot for recreation so the idea that i could just like be driving around and getting money for it you know because it's not like i'm going anywhere when i'm driving it's not like i'm like oh i gotta run a bunch of errands it's like no i just kind of drive you know so it's like i think if you're driving for work it would feel feel kind of similar who knows but uh i also used to drive for work i used to drive dan around all the time so i, I even have experience like several years experience like kind of professionally driving if you will um but so i was looking uh for a job i guess i probably shouldn't say the name of the company but um i got i i applied and they sent me an email they're like oh we want to do an interview and i was like okay it sounds good exciting it was, it was pretty quick the turnaround time and so then i was like okay let's get some time and, and like collect myself and look at this email and stuff and so i finally click on the email and it's like you you can do a virtual interview you can do it whenever you want and and the company will be able to respond to it faster than if they had to schedule a real interview and i'm like 
my life is over. This is living hell. The world is ending and it deserves to end. This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And I just was like, okay, so I don't, I don't want to work for a company that does this. Uh, fine. But then I was like, you know, beggars can't be choosers. It's going to be a waste of time, but what's the worst that can happen? It's like, you might as well just do it. There's sometimes like, you know, willpower is a muscle and sometimes you have to exercise that muscle. And so sometimes I'm like, there's something I don't want to do where it's like, I'm heading home from after a long day. And it's like, you probably need to get gas within the two days, within two days. You definitely don't want to get gas right now, but because of that, why don't you go get gas? It'll, it'll stretch your willpower, you know, just to kind of work it out. And so I was like, this can be like that. This can be like this, this putting yourself through torture just for the sake of it, you know? And every step I clicked deeper into this online labyrinth, just further amped up that feeling of like, this is terrible. You should not do this. There's no value in doing this. And the thing is, it was a virtual interview where you watch a video that like asks you, I don't even think the video asks you the questions, but you watch a video that like explains to you the process and it's like, oh, we're doing this, we're doing this digitally. You're going to record your, your things and it'll, and an AI is going to transcribe your responses remove demographic data and submit it to the the hiring practitioners to remove bias so you know the idea being if i come in and i'm a white man you know i might get treated differently than if i'm like a, a black woman or something you know and so by depersonalizing the responses you know you might cut down on the biases but it's like but also i think you're introducing all sorts of new biases by like you know, getting a fucking AI to translate it. So it's like, is the AI going to translate the speech correctly? Are they going to like misconstrue, especially if you like speak in an accent or something, it just could turn your fucking responses into nonsense. You know, I don't know. But so anyway, so then it gets, you get these text prompts, which are just shitty interview questions. And then you have to record, you have like three, you have after, after you get the response, you click through. And so it starts a like a one minute timer and you read the thing. And then you you can think about your answer like before you actually do it and then you hit the record button and then you have three minutes to to respond to the question and if you don't like how it went you can uh re-record it up to three times um but it, you have to stay in the window and there's a timer to it all so you can't like for instance i don't know go away for 20 minutes and come back and try again you have to do it all while sitting there and the questions themselves were fine but the part of the interview was also like or part of the the application was also like a questionnaire that was like oh a personality assessment but the personality assessment was like are you organized or committing crimes do you think it's good to do good work or to yell at people you know like very clear like what you were supposed to answer like what do you think of following rules yes no <laughs> like just very very obvious kind of implications of what they want because it's for like a health company they obviously want you to be following like strict protocols and stuff um you know so it was like it was very obvious and then after the fucking video responses which i don't know i just kind of like first thought best thought i didn't even answer the questions was very uh, uh like perfectly i would just like shoot off the hip just say something and then click forward without thinking about whether it was good or bad or whether i could do better or not and then after that i had to play a series of three mini games <laughs> which were uh I don't know. It reminded me of that email we got from the person who was like doing that weird Twitter captcha thing where they had to do dice math or whatever. It was kind of like that. The first one was 
like the first two games were almost certainly just like IQ assessment tests because I've gotten my IQ assessed when I was like in high school and it was the same fucking thing. Like they give you a bunch of numbers and letters and you have to repeat the numbers and letters and then they give you the numbers and letters and then you have to give them back in reverse order. So for instance, if it says like ABC one, two, three, you have to go three, two, one CBA or something. And so like, it was just really weird. And again, almost certainly just a IQ assessment and then the second game was also an iq assessment it was uh just like matching patterns there would be like rotating shapes and patterns and you had to click the ones that that matched and stuff and so i was like what the fuck? what in the eugenics like this is the same person that's like or the same company that's saying like oh we're trying to remove demographic biases and we're going to use iq tests as part of the interview process and the fucking the the they also said like you have to opt into using your responses to train ai so like you couldn't do the interview if you didn't like uh let your your responses help train ai algorithms and stuff which is i don't know anytime they're like also you know we're going to profit off of this somehow and you can't say no is like a very weird uh you know compelled kind of uh interaction to be having and then the third game was another uh like personality assessment where it showed you pictures and sometimes the pictures had words on them and you were like are you this or that and again the pictures are like do you like going out with friends or getting work done would you say you're a loner or good at jobs like do you think it's good to follow rules or do you think it's fun to throw urine at people like just the most obvious like i can't imagine anyone fucking stupid enough to like get the wrong answer you know quote unquote on any of these assessments although some of them are like are you adventurous, adventurous or organized or whatever, which is like, I'm sure they want organized, but it's like both of those seem like they don't seem like, like good or bad. They just seem like different aspects, which maybe those were kind of like bullshit questions or anything, but it was, it was the, the most insane thing. Like, honestly, like in my 34 years of life, it was the most insane thing I've ever fucking experienced in my life. And then after the interview concluded, they wanted me to take a survey. <laughs> And so I went full Karen mode. I wish I had like, I wish I saved my text responses because like, I was just like, I was just like going off on how fucking crazy it all was. And then they were like, are there any ways you'd like to, you think we could improve this process? And I was like, you should throw it in the trash and go home and reconsider your life choices. <laughs> and I don't know if that's going to get back to the company that hired me because it seems, uh, it seems like that was the company that created this virtual interview process internally trying to get feedback on them but i don't know you know either way i don't care like uh again it was more of a of a, a challenge than it was actually like a legit like attempt at, at trying to get hired because i'm like oh i don't, I don't Do you think maybe the the, the 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 interview part was actually not really the interview it was just there to frustrate you and the survey was the actual interview <laughs> I hope so. I think that would be really good because I don't know if they liked the answers that I had, but I know that the answers I gave were really good. They were the right answers. So, uh, you know, whatever. If 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 I don't get the job, I, I'm probably not going to get the job. Who knows? It's, it's, it takes a it takes a certain kind of person to drive around urine samples. I'm sure. You know, I don't know if I'm driving around urine samples, fucking material. But hey, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's our show. Uh, we already ended the show, so we're not going to end it again. We're going to keep going forever. Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, we'll figure this out. But thanks for watching, guys. Get out of here.